0: You are listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I am your host, Eric Williams, and welcome back to Volume 5 of the Plain Label Podcast. In this volume, our mission statement is to discuss a film, series, or a franchise that I own and host on my Plex account that I haven't seen. And at the end of the discussion, we're going to decide if I should keep or delete... The Files. In this episode, we are once again diving back into the Criterion Collection, the Criterion Corner, as it were, and we'll be discussing a pair of films, the 1967 film In Cold Blood, and 1986's Sid and Nancy. Joining me for this episode is the Perry to My Dick, the Nancy to My Sid, Mr. Benjamin Teed.
1: Yay! Hello. Oh, hold on. Let me put down Zelda real quick. Hold on. Okay, here it is. Okay, yes. What? Well, now what do you need, Eric? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. What did you say?
0: <laughs> Before getting into our discussion, we are still brought to you by Derek Coward and the fine folks over at the Deliberate Noise Network. Head over to deliberatenoise.com for more current and archive shows from the network. Mister Teed, what is it uh, that is non-Zelda that you are drinking this evening? I'm having an uh, old-fashioned cocktail with oh. Bullet whiskey. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I it don't is like spicy. It is like <laughs> it's strong. Like I
0: might need to water this down. But Ooh, look at
2: you! Not.
0: Go with actual ice. You mm-hmm. know, don't go with the the cold rocks. Go with actual ice. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I did. Uh, yep. Bullet is kind of the only whiskey that I can do, even though I have to. I have to do it in really sort of minimal amounts.
1: This is my first time with it, and I like it. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's nice. hard. It's really like ouch. <laughs> this
0: is gonna hurt. But yes. whatever,
1: whatever's been like. Like uh, allergies and all that going around, whatever it is, it's going to kill what's ever in my throat, that's for sure. Oh, well, so, there you go, yes. The diesel uh-huh.
0: will take care of things for you. That's right, that's so right. I am having a, uh, a a red wine that my wife brought home from her work, from her part-time job, and okay. it is called a uh, Zucardi Q. It is a Malbec. Uh-huh. It is, uh, It is uh, you know... It is very good, but I'm going to describe it as I pull up her notes because she took notes at her wine training about it and her notes go like this. The body structure is, uh, it's a high altitude wine, which means that it has thicker skin. Uh, it's a little bit spicy. It has a good color and it is best served with grilled meats or smoked meats and specifically steak or grilled chicken and barbecue and the bottle itself. Again, it's a Malbec, but it says uh, Zuccardi Q is sourced from carefully selected plots of vineyards located in Mendoza's most prestigious wine regions. The family's third generation continues to elaborate this Malbec with grapes from uh, something I'm not going to pronounce correctly, so I'm going to skip. Basically, it's a unique spot in the Andes, and it says that the uh, flavor profile is a deep purple Malbec with juicy tannins, aromas of fresh red fruits and herbs laced with spicy notes uncork now or cellar mr teed for 10 years or more
1: Oh, beautiful
0: and this is a 2020 so we obviously did not cellar it yeah no (laughs) um we don't have a we don't have a wine cellar we do have a basement that is quite cold which is where i watched the second of these movies uh earlier today and i was freezing my rear end off (laughs) while i was doing that and i was feeling (laughs) miserable because of the way that that movie is <laughs> yeah oh
1: my gosh i didn't even it never occurred to me who is watching this who i'm watching this film with
0: and how this movie is it never even occurred to me while watching it so oh my god before we get into the uh the, the films mm. since this is my selection these are my two films that i picked out of our criterion list that uh that ben and i have been going through of films that I have on, on my Plex, which Ben, of course, does not uh, partake in. He prefers to support his local libraries and, uh, you know, check out the discs that way and and Very do it physical. that way. But let me let me quiz you on this. What what do you think the things that uh, these two films have in common are? Like, why do you think I paired these together?
1: I think it's um, two very destructive couples,
0: ah. uh, not, not unlike us. <laughs> um, but like, I think
1: that um, I think there's that element to it. Um, I'm trying to th- I was trying to think of the other connections as I was trying to think of like uh, uh, like for because usually you and I are doing theme nights and stuff like that yes. where we we pair two. Two films together, and as I'm sitting there, I go, it's just two, it's just a, a, a couple that is just spiraling out of control, mm-hmm. and 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 both of them uh, fly way too close to the sun. Some would say they were doomed from the start when we meet them both at the beginning of these
0: films. Sure, it's also um, uh, it's also two films that are based on true stories.
1: Oh, correct. Yes, I guess that's true. I didn't I didn't even think about that, but yeah, these are based off
0: of real people.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and real performances and, and really good performances. I feel like based off of, well, I'm showing my hand here, but <laughs> feeling, feeling based off of, off of, um, what I've seen so far of, of, um, both, um, uh, per, both perform, there's two performers from, there's one performer from each film that I feel like is like the, the golden part of this. Ah, okay.
0: Okay. That makes sense. And then the, uh, the last thing, which is something that just came up when I was, uh, just looking at the films, and it was more coincidental than anything else. Was that these were both either written or co written and directed by uh, somebody that wrote and directed and then co wrote and directed the film,
1: oh, as opposed nice.
0: to okay. the more typical, you know, writer and then director kind of, of course? Yeah, so okay. So, those are the connections of our criterion films. That is what we are drinking. And with that, we're going to kick off our discussion in 1967 with the film
2: In Cold Blood. In the heart of America, in a small rural community, occurred a crime which shocked the entire nation. A book about this crime by Truman Capote became a worldwide bestseller. Now a motion picture brings this book to the screen in cold blood an appalling and apparently senseless crime Two apparently heartless young criminals what is the reality behind the appearance Richard Brooks a director of great forcefulness was determined to capture the reality with absolute honesty The film company moves here because it was from this bus terminal that the real Perry Smith made a crucial telephone call. The real Dick Hickok stopped at this gas station on the way to the fateful meeting with his partner. In this store, the killers bought the rope and tape with which they bound and gagged their victims. The relentless pursuit of authenticity leads cast and crew to the actual city streets, The sun-drenched desert highways, the rain-swept country roads, and the garish gambling towns where the real-life drama was played out. Many of these same spectators and reporters were in the sullen crowd that saw the killers brought to this courthouse after their capture. In this courtroom, they were tried for murder, and seven of the jurors are the actual men who decided their fate. Actor John Forsythe portrays the agent who solved the crime. A remarkable look-alike for Alvin Dewey, the real-life investigator. These are the real killers. These are the actors who play their parts. So uncanny are the resemblances that they have said, sometimes we get the creepy feeling that we really are those guys. Robert Blake plays Perry Smith. Scott Wilson plays Richard Hickok. The crime depicted in In Cold Blood took place inside this house. It is reenacted inside this house so that the motion picture itself becomes a terrifyingly true story of our generation, a generation both repelled and attracted by violence.
0: In Cold Blood is written and directed by Richard Brooks and based on the book of the same name by Truman Capote and the IMDb plot synopsis brought to you by Film Facts Man goes like this. Truman Capote wrote... The, quote, non-fiction novel, unquote, from which the film is drawn using the novelist's craft to render reality. The reality was that at 2 a.m. on November 15th, 1959 in the rural town of Holcomb, Kansas, the four members of the Clutter family were roused from their sleep, bound and gagged and then brutally murdered by two unknown assailants. After the latter's es- uh, after the Ladderers, it says with like three <laughs> S's and three, wow. <laughs> uh, nice little typo there. After the latter's captured, sentencing, and imprisonment prior to execution, Capote researched the case thoroughly, spent weeks talking with the prisoners Perry Smith and Richard Hickok, jurors, police, friends, and neighbors, trying to unearth why such a senseless act was committed and what society's response might have been. Mr. Teed, tell me your history... And your reaction to the film in Cold Blood? It was I. The, I was trying to think about this because I was
1: like, did I ever read this in school? Did I ever? Mm-hmm. And I and you know, have I seen this movie before? I don't think I have. I, I think I would have remembered a performance like this. Uh, I would have remembered like reading the facts from the book and stuff like that. I think my only background, seriously, with with this material, was the film. I forget what year it was, but it was Capote with Philip uh, Seymour Yes, yes. And um, and I thought that was a brilliant film, too, even back in the day. Yes. Brilliant, brilliant performance. But it was one of those where I remember the scene from Capote where they are being sent off to die. Mm-hmm. And, they, and it's like that, um,
0: that outdoor sort of Barney-looking thing.
1: Yes. And, yeah.
0: and it, yes, it's the, it's the
1: barn or whatever, the shed or whatever they call it where they're going to be executed. But right as they're being – and then the thing is, they're both being sent off in the film Capote. Mm-hmm. And one of them says, um, you know, I, I decided to donate my eyes to science. And then his eyes get real wide and creepy, and he goes, can you imagine seeing these eyes looking out at you again sometime, <laughs> you know, type of thing? Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a really good, like, chilling scene back then. And, but it was also played for laughs and, and mm-hmm. for, like, humor and also kind of showed how dumb these characters are. And uh and and kind of like ugh, like like that's gonna that's grotesque or whatever. And then of course, watching this film, like I feel I felt like I was going to get that going in mm. uh, a little mm. bit, and not that it wasn't being taken. It, it was going to be also produced in the same light, perhaps you know. I I, I wouldn't have known. And then my reaction to this film coming out of it, it's one of those that I'm. Oh my gosh, can you imagine seeing this back when it came out? Oh. Like. Like, how much that would have, like, you would have never, like, it was like a one-timer, you know. But watching it now, I feel like it's still a one-timer. It is just agonizing, knowing full well what's going to happen. Um, You know going in, for the most part, if you haven't heard of this murder or if you, or if you know what's going on, um, it's just a matter of time. You know, they start the movie with, like here's what happened Mm -hmm. and then they go back and they show you the family's day and going through the whole thing and Mm -hmm. showing how loving they were and stuff like that and like because they got to build up that tragedy but at the same time they're showing how sad and 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 you know thoughtless these characters are while still giving them humanity they're Mm -hmm. not just senseless animals Mm -hmm. going to do this they are senseless and animalistic in the act of killing but during the time leading up to it they both have hopes and dreams and wanting to do all this stuff and and um and like it it is a one timer for me because a the lead up to the actual robbery and murder is agonizing and then they just crank up the heat with the wait and wait and wait for the eventual execution of these two prisoners Perry Smith and and um Dick Hickock so and and specifically I I could you guess which performance which performer I'm I'm preferring of and and think is just incredible. I mean,
0: do my, I even need to? I mean, my, assu- my assumption is it's Robert Blake.
1: It's absolutely true. Like <laughs> holy cow! And the guy passed away. Um, what like four months ago? Maybe at when at the at the time of this recording, you passed away in March.
0: Yeah, he 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 died this year. Yeah,
1: and um and the and I was just introduced to him last year. Um, I had watched, uh, treasure of the Sierra Madre and uh. lost highway all in the same year mm-hmm. and had no idea that, um, he was, he was, uh, in this film either. He even references treasure of the Sierra Madre in, in this film, mm. like when they're in the car. I don't know if you remember that or not, but he mentions it and I kind of flipped out a little bit because he plays, uh, a character, uh, the little uh, Mexican boy, uh, mm. have you' seen have you seen yeah. yeah, Madre? yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. so the little boy that that they place a bet with, like he's going around trying to collect money to to raise for bets or whatever um he plays that kid and um he then refers to Bogart in Sierra Madre in this film mm. and it's oh, like yes, I remember so wild this, yes, and yes, I love yes. that he's the one that does it. um and then of course, have you seen Lost Highway?
0: of course,
1: and that Robert Blake is super I don't, creep. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah it's oh god it's so fantastic i just love it but yeah i'll save that for anyone that wants you know to lost it.
0: highway is a movie and this is a real quick tangent but lost highway is a movie that i would love to watch again because i just did not get it when i saw it
1: oh yeah and then
0: i watched it again for a recording uh with mulholland drive with cameron rice and gabe hardman and still didn't get it and didn't like it and oh, gabe was not pleased
1: <laughs> oh that's right you remember yes. you saying that there's just something about like and we'll get into this with the second film, mm-hmm. but I, I'm trying I'm trying my best to not watch things too literal these days. Oh, ah, okay. I really, really can't. And 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 I think what helped was an entire year of David Lynch. Oh um, okay. sometimes sometimes doing that as an exercise was helpful, I think, because you can't always just look at something and be like, Well, that's what this is and mm-hmm. I have to take it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Film is such a beautiful medium to be able to go around that. And I think that in in the case of of In Cold Blood, which I don't know if we said, but it is based off of the, the book by yep. Truman Capote, uh-huh. a, a true crime book that details you know in high detail uh, all of the horrible acts and and the fallout from it of these two, and so it's just kind of like you know watching this, bringing humanity to such uh, such a, a cold. Uh, like horrible act and then like the and showing consequences and and feeling terrible for these two that are about to be executed but also like yeah you know like this is this is what it was always going to be like you were always doomed from the start even before you left prison Mm -hmm. you know there's a part of me that kind of believes that but yeah i can't i came away from this just feeling like, man, I'm so glad I watched this, but wow, is it going to be a while before I see it again, if even <laughs> if, 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 if ever that, you know, Yeah. because I feel like there's imagery in this that I'll never forget.
0: Hmm. That's for sure. It's interesting. Um, before I get into what I thought about the film, uh, Capote was 2005, so almost 20 years ago, if you can believe that. Uh, yeah. um, but yeah. uh, this film was nominated an- or was nominated for 12 Academy Awards and won four for Best Director. Best adapted screenplay, best cinematography for Conrad Hall, and uh, it was, let's see, it was also for uh, best music. Wow! It won for uh, Quincy Jones.
1: Oh my gosh! Yes, we got to talk about him. <laughs> that was another thing about this film. Um, what was it? What, what it was like? Weirdly, I, w- I wouldn't say jazz, but it it was weirdly percussion-y. Um, for what it was. I, I couldn't... There was a, a jazz percussionist type. I, maybe I'm saying this wrong, because I'm not a very musically literate person, but... I I keep feeling like I notice the score and then I'm like, who did this? And I looked at it and I was like, Oh my gosh, Quincy Jones. I've heard that guy. Oh, you know what?
0: I completely, I got this wrong. So this had 12 nominations total in, in terms of just all awards. The, the way that IMDB has revamped their awards thing is different. So it won four things in total. Uh, it was nominated for those four Oscars and did not win any of those Oscars. Those were all nominees. It won for the Na- National Film Preservation Board in 2008. And then it won for uh, like a David D. Donatello Award and et cetera, et cetera. So it only was nominated for four Oscars only. Be- you know, really uh, struggling, really struggling. Oh, wow. This film. Uh, so anyway, yeah. so there's a there's a. You know, a little bit of rust on my part as Ben and I were talking about. Oh yeah, I haven't done this in a while.
2: <laughs>
0: so there's well, me we, not knowing new the new uh, update on how IMDb's uh, award system works. Oh yeah, I mean they're always changing stuff. But um, but I was gonna say
1: like besides the the like, um, very very I wouldn't say avant garde, but like very I I, I I like my words are failing me about about what type of of score this was. The other thing that was kind of fascinating was I've never seen a film of this age have that type of
0: editing to it. Oh yes. Did you okay. notice some yes. of the beautiful? So this is this cuts. is my first note was about this. Yes. So um, I had I had the same history with this film that you did. I saw Capote, really liked Capote, really was drawn to Hoffman as Capote's performance and getting the history with Harper Lee and all of this sort of stuff, right? right um i knew of the book i had not read the book and i watched this film and desperately want to watch capote again (laughs) very soon yeah and i put the book on my audiobook uh wish list for the library uh and so i plan on diving deep which is not to give away too quickly mr t that i loved this like i was really really into this um and my first note was I love all of these match cuts and all these phone call transitions. Because we get all of these things where it's you know it's a clutter person picking up the phone and then it's it's uh Perry um hanging up the phone or what have you. And it, it's just all of these sort of one you you know, you know the story, you know that these two outlaws are gonna have this collision with this uh innocent family. And they keep cutting back and forth between the villains and the victims and the two different villains at times. And there's, you know, wonderful transitions with um, with Perry in his past and his um, imagined future where he's a singer, where he's... Um, you know, I just, I just love that opening bit where we have him and his past that comes through when he's looking at himself in the mirror when he's got his injured leg up in the sink of the bus terminal and he's like posing and showing you know he's showing his masculinity which gives you like what his vulnerability is right away that he is injured and doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to appear emasculated and we get and we get that and we get uh, some sneaky little things like you know we know he has for me, the read was that uh, Perry's character was sort of vulnerable when it came to his masculinity. And then we had Dick Hickok's character who would write these letters and he would call him honey and he would call him uh, like little pet names that were more than just like, hey, pal kind of stuff that of course, he would. Yeah. And then throughout the film, he kept He keeps calling him that and he says little things like when they're in Mexico, you know, that he brings this woman home and Perry's kind of, oh, I guess I'll go for a walk sort of a thing. And and Dick's like, oh, I'm not bashful. And it's all this sort of thing to for 1967 when this came out to sort of not necessarily imply, but to allow you to read in that Perry may have more invested in Dick than just this robbery. right okay he he may be i I
1: can definitely see that Yeah. yeah
0: to where he at least is interested in the attention that that dick gives him and dick is played and and i think that you're right that robert blake has the stronger performance because scott wilson as dick has such a um con artist sort of um role that he's forced to to put on and for people that don't know who scott wilson is he was abel johnson in the oa which is a uh, terribly underseen show but he's also probably better known for playing herschel in the walking dead um for about seven eight years or so Uh, and you can definitely see it in his face (laughs) when you look at i was like this dude is really familiar and then i looked him up and i was like oh god it's the guy from the walking dead the old man um but anyway so i really really liked that opening piece i thought that the uh i thought that it was really smart and very interesting that they idealize the clutter family they give them the very sort of 1950s like we've got the son who is a carbon copy of the dad with the glasses we've got the daughter who's You know, going and tutoring people and trying to keep her grades a certain way. And she's got all this stuff to do. And she's just very much a like 50s style um, little uh, like happy housewife type, it seems. And then we contrast that with Robert Blake's Perry, who has been to Korea and he's come back and he's had this motorcycle accident. And then we have Scott Wilson's character as of Dick, who's. Um, you know he's a ladies man and he's a forgerer and he's passing bad checks and he's had um he's got history with i believe it's his dad that they talk to or is it Perry's dad that they talk it's to Perry, later?
1: it's Perry's dad, Perry's he dad. talks
0: about would you like us to say anything to your dad right before he's executed oh right show? right oh. you're right uh so anyway oh. so i just lo- i loved that 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 whole friendship and the partnership and and the the contrast with the victims i thought that that was all really interesting and and then we, we build up to that fateful night and they're out in front and it seems like they're maybe just kind of like casing the place. And then, oh no, like the next morning comes and they're dead. And you don't see anything. You don't see any gunshots. I thought that what we definitely were going to get was like from Capote to where you get that exterior shot and you see the shotgun blast through the window. And you don't actually see anything because it's the late 60s, but the implication is really clear, but they don't do any of that. And I was like, wow, that's really, really interesting to that's not cool. show anything of that night. And I was like, that is that is kind of crazy. And I was right. like, that is I really ballsy. The same thing. Right. And so then we get uh we get the violence and then we get to delving into to Perry's mind, which for me, uh, this is later on in the film, but it's. This is the highlight for me is getting the the moments where Dick is with this uh, woman of the night or this girl that he just picked up, whatever she may be, this Mexican lady. And Perry is there drinking, and he's hooked on his aspirin, and his you know his knees hurting him, and he thinks about his mother being abused when he's there with his siblings, and she's getting whipped, she's cheating on her husband. And he's just sitting there watching it. And Dick sleeping with this woman reminds him of that. And I thought that that was so powerful and so good. And I was like, this is fucking great. I was like, this is the sort of transition. And like, because you don't ever see and see part of my frustration is doing the job that I do. I get so much of Perry, like in in the bad version of this, it's Perry and Dick on the long drive in the car. And Perry sees something and he's like, you know what, Dick? That reminds me of my mom and about how she used to cheat on my dad. And I can see that. I can actually see a cut of that yes. happening. Like, and you you see the over explanation. I get that all the time. And so here, it's nothing in this. There's no dialogue. It's just him remembering. And then you see like the dad, you know, the dad's being like, um, abusive. And so you get some like a, random abusive lines, but, other than that, it's it's not really dialogue-heavy. It's just all action-based and all in the eyes of the kid and in the eyes of Robert Blake. And I thought that that was really, really good.
1: Of course. Man, yeah. That, I, I can't say it any better than that cause, just because of how... Yeah. I, I, the, the, this is such a good designed film. Like, a mm-hmm. well-designed yeah. film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, because you are expecting immediately everything to happen in, mm-hmm. in chronological order. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like... You it's almost like it's almost like they they are outside casing the place and you're like okay well we're at least safe tonight yeah and then, exactly and then exactly. there's almost a relief of like when they show everything the next morning there's almost a relief of okay they spared us that
2: mm-hmm. um, yeah at least we, we
1: didn't out have so to easily, see do
0: we? yeah it's like at least we didn't have to see all of them get killed was kind of what I was thinking exactly you know and then one of the things that I thought was really um, God just really like a a odd choice and something that would be noted to death now is so we have the moment where they're hitching and they're going down to mexico they can't make it in mexico you know um, perry's got this sort of like nonsensical belief that there's treasure and we keep returning to that idea for a while and that just kind of shows that like deep down he's this uh he's this believer he's this sort of gullible one to where even though Dick is the one who believes that the clutter family has this fortune Dick's the more like world-wise of the two gotcha. um uh, but they're but like you were saying in the intro together they're they're able to talk to each other enough and be convincing enough to where they're like you know what they're you know there might be a treasure you know that this clutter family might have all this money and they're they're like toxic enough with each other, and they like want enough from each other, and to be able to believe each other enough, or to al- at least have like someone partnered with them to go through these different shenanigans together enough to where they pair up, and they're just sort of there's not a ton of like conflict between them, and then they separate kind of a thing. And I think that yeah. that's a, um, another. Very I see. Okay. Thing. Yes. But they have the they have the moment where you know you. The implication is that they killed this family, but we don't see it, and so we're we're kind of like, oh, you know, these are these are okay guys. Like I don't know, they're not so bad. Then you see them uh, be openly racist, to where they're trying to get hitch a ride, and these two African American fellows show up, and they don't want to ride with them.
1: I liked that they showed that mm-hmm. because it need they needed to remind us
0: these are not good these, guys, right?
1: These are not good guys, and also,
0: um. Was a 67? It's also, yeah, it is 1967. It also is 1967 <laughs> so this is very much on the minds of everybody, I'm sure. Exactly. Um, exactly.
2: But so then the, the thing
0: that I thought was really strange was not long after that, the choice is made by Brooks, and I'm assuming this is not in the book this way, but the choice is made by Richard Brooks to then humanize them again with the hitchhiking, with the kid and the old man and the bottle money. Oh, of course. Because then it's really unex—it's like really unexpected to ask the audience to then now enjoy them again, because they're yucking it up. They're they're like the treasure of the Sierra Madre, right? And he like pours out all of the the bottles out of this container. Oh, you're right. Um, and it's just like all of this like, look at—we're pals and we're all hanging out and we're having fun. And yeah, and they really are just teeter tottering back and yes. forth. And I was like, what the heck? and i think what a balance what is so smart about that is that it plays with your expectations of how bad and how good these guys are and then you get to see the actual moment you get to actually see that night and you see them try to be polite the father being such a nice guy everyone just kind of being like kansas nice which is you know Nebraska's one of their their sayings in the past decade has been nebraska nice and it's not too dissimilar in kansas and so you get this like kansas nice like oh everyone just you know nobody get worked up we'll just, we'll figure this out i don't have any money but i'll get you something here you know here's 37 dollars or whatever it was um and we get all of that kind of politeness and then a throat that's cut and children that are that are shot and while we don't see you know like a, a modern version of that it's still pretty tough and i liked also the idea that we the why of it like the it's it's not some like you don't see john forsyth um cracking the case and he's like eureka i've got it ben it's this it's because no. of this shoe, right? Like, it's not a thing like that. They pull <laughs> him over in Vegas, and then the, because of, uh, like, a, a deal with Perry's, like, uh, mer- like his crate or whatever, like, his uh, stuff that you see at the beginning with all of his things. And, oh, yes. And then it, it turns out that the shoes are in there, and then they match the shoes.
1: Gotcha. Okay,
0: right. And you're just like, that is such a, like, a, it's not a big, like, moment where they get pulled, they get taken in to begin with. And then when they're in there, you know, they they start out with, you know, Dick being very sort of charismatic and he's kind of like blowing kisses at the cops. And and he's just kind of like, yeah, 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 this is fine. And they've got their planned um, speech to the police that they're going what they're going to say and all of that. And then once they start bringing up the footprints, it all kind of breaks down quite quickly. And then they're sentenced to hang. And then you see them both hang. And that's the end of the movie. And I was gobsmacked at what a final moment that was
1: because they do a, they do a little bit more than just like straightforward, um, hanging though too, because they spend yes. a lot of time going over like every little detail about how it's going to happen, where they're oh, going right. to be. And you get, even to the, show, you get to see yeah. like the
0: top and the bottom of the, of the contraption, like of how it all works.
1: Oh my gosh. I yeah. loved it,
0: I loved and also hated when you get to see through Perry's perspective when he's sort of like it, it i described it in my notes as like a drunk walk to where the, the camera is like wobbling as it's going up the stairs. Oh my gosh, as he and goes of course up the, to the executioner, right?
1: There's a good, yeah, the executioner is like this like man in a dark suit and like a hat and mm-hmm. and I think he's drinking alcohol of some sort. It's like, yeah, that's, that's about right.
0: Yeah. Oof. You know? And we get that uh We get that final speech about um, it's from I think it's from from Alvin from Dewey, the John Forsyth character to where he talks about like the I I think it's him anyway, where he talks about like the the uh, who benefits from this and like the cycle of violence, basically, to where he's saying like, oh, you know, people are going to blame this on this thing or that thing. And then the police is going to do this and then they're going to get criticism for that. And then next year it's going to happen again and we're going to go through this all over again. And yeah. I was just like, "Fuck me!" Like, yeah. you know, like talking so about looking in up. the future. Yeah.
1: Um. The other one being, um, right before. Do you have any last words with with Robert with Perry Smith? And he's like, "I'm. I want to apologize, but mm. I don't know to who. Like at this point, who do I apologize to? Because it's not going to be anybody in that room. That's for sure. Mm. Um. And everyone that they should apologize to is gone. Yeah, they're all dead. So, yeah, and it's just kind of like what was all this for? And it was all for a little bit of money, but also I think I like I, going back to when you were talking about when they were having a good time laughing with the old man and the kid yeah. and how they were like picking up, um, uh, cans and whatnot. It's like, almost like they gamified their, their earnings and whatnot to try to help these, help this couple out. Mm. And they couldn't have made more than what they murdered this other family for, you know, like in terms of, of what, uh, did they actually say how much they made off of that?
0: Yeah, it was something to where like the the dad only had it was less than fifty dollars. Right. It was either thirty again, something or forty something. I forget.
1: I, I, once again, it's like they, they, the that family was killed about for about forty bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the murder that that started all this. I just kind of love, like even how this is all based off of what they heard from their buddy in prison. Hey, I heard this farmer. Has ten thousand dollars in machinery.
0: Yeah. It's, around oh, and yeah. And it takes this much. much to run this farm. Yeah. And how so they framed it.
1: this person clearly has just ten thousand dollars just laying around somewhere. <laughs> like the idea, like the childish idea that you have no clue what you're talking about, or any idea how what it would take to run or do anything. It's just kind of like it's just sad.
0: Yeah. It'd be like at the heights saying like, Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that. Um, DCBS has X amount in uh, merchandise.
2: Yeah, and is it right? like,
0: and so it's like, you know, oh, if I open the register, that's what's in there it's sort of what yeah. is like the thought that these guys that's have. That's so crazy, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. I, I wonder if this is a brief aside, and I don't know uh, if there's interviews about this or whatever but john forsyth's character that's that's trying to figure this all out his last name is dewey i wonder if that's where the dewey character gets his name from the scream movies because he's equally as inept as dewey is in terms of solving the mystery so i don't know i wonder if that's just a coincidence or if kevin williamson uh was into in cold blood yeah good point could be could be so yeah i liked this quite a bit um and I was I was sort of, you know, very much interested in uh, checking out all of the different things associated with it. And like I said, watching uh, Capote again and then checking out the book and some of the things that for me being, you know, from the Midwest and not too far from some of this stuff was like they talk about going to Fort Scott at one point, And Fort Scott is uh, really close to where my mother grew up. Um, and so we would go to Fort Scott sometimes. Uh, and so it's like, oh, geez, like that, I'm sort of know where that was, but it's not like, since this was in the sixties, um, when this released, it, it's not like this was something that I knew of, like, or that I had ever heard of or anything like that outside of the Capote book. So, right.
1: Wow. Yeah. I guess I, I, I it's another thing, I, a connection I didn't think of was how close this was to around where you're, you're, you're <laughs> yeah,
0: prepared. it's, yeah. Cause they talk about Kansas, you know, they go into Kansas city and Kansas city is like three hours away from here. So it's right. not from where I'm at currently, so it's not too it's not too far away, and it's very much like you know they pull up to this Kansas farmhouse, and I'm like, oh, I mean that's that could have that might as well have been Nebraska, like it looks the same. So right outside your window could have been, could have been. So anyway, so that's that's my notes for In Cold Blood. Is there anything that you wanted to uh, to mention that we haven't mentioned before? We um,
1: no, actually, I, I I just kind of found some sort of dark, sad material out of this, and yeah. just kind of like what's very like, I hold this, I hold this film sacred in general, just cause I think the entire package is well done. But yeah, I'm with you where I want to seek out, like, I, I definitely want to uh, grab the book at some point because I, I've always had that on, you know, sitting, you know, in my periphery as something like, Oh, I should check that out. I have always heard about it. I, you know, blah, 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 you know, and, that and, but it, I, I think they even teach it in schools in some cases, but it's one of those where I should probably uh, seek that out um but yeah i i think the uh, currently as we're recording this this is also um capote is on tubi which uh-huh. is which is a free service as well but it, it's gonna it's gotta be at your library and all that
0: too so yeah or if you're if you're one of those heathens that has access to my plex account it's also on there. oh my gosh yes the demon, the I'm demon. just gonna I'm just gonna keep on banging yeah. that drum, Ben Teed, until I, yeah. Until I look at my monthly reports and I see that uh, Mr. Ben Teed has watched something on there. I'm just gonna keep bringing it up. I should do that. I, I should watch something on there. I just just <laughs> watch something on there just for the hell of it. Well, yeah, just the... just so you know uh, how the whole damn thing works. You know?
1: So I'm able to. Oh, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> <Never mind.
0: laughs> so wait a minute. <laughs> All I ask is a monthly donation of nine ninety five. That's what one of the people that I gave access to. They're like, you're not gonna like try to get me to like buy this are you (laughs) i was like no it's not a purchase thing
1: i mean you're essentially you're making it worth your
0: while to to
1: get it because you're lending this out to other people for you for you to like this is for the purposes of to do your show but absolutely not not to be all like behind the scenes or anything like that but like it's nice to it's nice to have that as a tool for when we need it you know yeah so so it's like
0: if you couldn't find the film well here i already have it
1: yeah, there's you know. a part of me that that for years now I thought like should I just start a server? Should I just start it? Because I have so much physical that yeah. you know, but I have physical for a reason. It's because I like it on my like shelf. I like I like having a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not all the time, but yeah, for the most part, it's it's usually something something I like to do. There I'm literally so, surrounded. My every side of me is surrounded by physical books media all sorts of stuff like it's all in cases and it's in piles on the floor around
0: me so i believe you i (sighs) believe you so let's talk about something that uh had me have a physical reaction (laughs) it is from nearly 20 years later from 1986 and the film is called sid and nancy
2: Sex pistol. Your mum says you're a nice boy. Any comments? Who the hell do you think you are? Sedition. This is my girlfriend, Nancy. You like me, don't you? and you Sidney's more than a mere bass player. He's a fabulous disaster. Sid Vicious is the sex of history. Look at the you. I'm your best friend.
0: And Sid and Nancy is written by Abby Wool and Alex Cox and directed by Alex Cox. And the IMDb plot synopsis is brought to you by an anonymous reviewer. And it goes like this. In 19, ooh, let me start that again. In January 1978, after their success in England, the punk rock band Sex Pistols venture out on their tour of the southern United States temperamental bassist. Sid Vicious, played by Gary Oldman, is forced by his bandmates and their manager to travel without his troubled girlfriend, Nancy Nancy Spungen, played by Chloe Webb, who will meet him in New York only after a traumatic event? When the band breaks up and Sid begins his solo career in a hostile city, the turbulent couple definitely falls into the depths of drug addiction and codependency, a last journey with no return. Okay, Mr. Teed, tell me about your history with the Sex Pistols <laughs> and the, the film Sid and Nancy. I only know, like, Anarchy
1: in the U.K. God Save the Queen. God Save the Queen and yep. stuff like that. I only know, like, their big, big, big hits. And have heard the name Sid Vicious and, yes. you know, heard the name um, Johnny Rotten. For, for Johnny Rotten and stuff like that. Never heard of Nancy Spungen. Um obviously heard the film, Sid and Nancy, and kind of figured, okay, well, they must be some crazy couple or whatever. But knew that my f- I, 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 there there's a sequence in here that is my favorite uh that we'll get to, but had seen Gary Oldman in that sequence and thought, wow, what a range. Mm. And then never, and then never saw this film until now. And I'm glad I did, and I'm glad I saw this after seeing Alex Cox's other film oh, that he's Repo known Man. For, which is Repo Man. And I'm glad. Did we watch that for no. a show? I feel like we, okay. Here's, I a, here's that for a dirty little
0: secret, and I hope that Mr. Andrew Shaw is not listening to this, but I have not seen Repo Man. Okay. You. I have it.
1: It's you a Criterion
0: should... edition, but I haven't seen it.
1: <laughs> it is a Criterion edition. I have it.
0: I so like that means it. maybe it's eligible for us to select it at some point. It's
1: yeah, oh, absolutely. Um and, oh, and I would love to revisit it cuz I really liked Repo Man. I liked didn't love Sid and Nancy. Aha. Um I I liked it um like in general, like I think the performances and stuff like that. I think um maybe a few people would be able a, a few people would not be able to stand Chloe Webb's portrayal <laughs> of fancy. But I think that I was able to stand it because I, I believed that performance. Mm-hmm. I a hundred percent believed uh, it like as a, like, Oh, I bet that it, this is exactly what she was like, like to some like, un, like unbelievable degree. I think Gary Oldman is that he's my second shining star in, in the other from, from, um, uh, Robert from the first film. Of course. Um, And and just think that like he could do no wrong in this film. Like every single time he was on the screen and stuff like that, I was just like, Man, this is this is fascinating and so good. But one I think once you see Repo Man that's my other like into this film is Alex Cox and how he sets up his films and how he tells his stories. It would make sense. I would actually if I were to if I were to um recommend this to someone else not us um i would say to watch repo man first before watching this film to understand a little bit better what he's doing Mm. um because um well maybe i should wait till you go after me but i will leave this i'll leave it here and then stop and turn it over to you but i believe that this is a fairy tale this is a fairy tale uh film that is a hundred percent um uh rotten candy uh uh nasty uh, scuzzy condom wrapper found on the on the side of the alleyway is what this film is and i think that's exactly uh, the tone is exactly right for me like mm. the craziness and the absolute which i know watching I I did not think about this as I was watching this and I should have texted you or something like that, just to warn you just to be courteous. (laughs) But I just realized as I was, you know, after you said, yeah, that film, I just watched it today. Waka, waka. How a lot of things that are uh, somewhat nonsensical, chaotic, you know, and it doesn't even have to really try that hard to be chaotic. Just showing this like almost frenzy to, uh, to the tone. Uh, is not necessarily Eric's uh, cup of tea. And I, and I, as someone who also deals with perhaps maybe some of the same anxieties, um, I completely understand that. Um, and, and want to uh, apologize for putting you through this, I guess. Well, I picked it. Uh, well, that's true, you did pick it. But um, I watched it first, I feel like, and so maybe I should have
0: sent a warning <laughs> out just to be like, hey, listen you're gonna lose your mind, yeah some
2: of this.
0: <clears throat> so. so i i didn't i knew um who Sid vicious was, I knew about the sex pistols um so we were pretty much in the similar sort of spot. When I was watching Chloe Webb, I kept thinking of Doris Roberts. Do you know who Doris Roberts is offhand? Sounds familiar, no. Her name, she plays Marie from Everybody Loves Raymond, the mother.
1: Oh, yes.
0: To where it was like a specific, high-pitched, screechy kind of performance. Of course. Which is to not say that it was poorly done. It was just a person that I wouldn't want to spend time with. But that's matched with I would never want to hang out with Sid ever in my life. And I feel like coming off of this, wow, am I glad that I was born when I was born and I did not have much experience with the whole punk movement because that is not my sort of flavor. (laughs) The the whole like anarchy and destroying things just to destroy them uh you know, even when early on when they're going over to uh to Nancy's girlfriend's house and they're just spray painting uh walls not uh joker style but spray painting walls for no apparent reason, just to do it and just to be anarchic and I was like, "Oh my god why 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 are you doing this sure. um and so I struggled with this uh I thought it was. Also, interestingly structured, uh, when I watched a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, it was interesting to learn about Sid Vicious being a big fan of the Sex Pistols before he joined them and why he joined them and then him trying to, you know, make it on his own. And uh, I was I was really surprised. But I think that once we get to that final moment and the taxi cab and all of that, that is very fairy tale like. Uh, so I think, I definitely think that that's correct when he goes to the pizza place and then he meets the kids and he's dancing and what have you. And I think that that's the closest that this film does to what In Cold Blood does where it, it asks you to enjoy him for a moment because you're not a hundred percent sure of really what happened that night because what this film says and what uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff say is pretty significantly different about what happened that day, and then uh, to see him, you know, go off and and be together with her, and she's of course all cleaned up looking, and then you just get the the super that says that he died not too long after that. And I did listen to an interview from or watch an interview from Alex Cox, and he was talking about, you know, well, yeah, maybe it would have been more literal if you saw him in a pool of his own vomit or whatever, but that's not what we were attempting to do. That's not Uh, fun. Yeah, that's not, it's not a, it's not a, there's nothing to be taken from that. Right. The, the,
1: the symbol of Sid Vicious, not the actual person is the reason for the existence of this movie. I kept sitting here watching this film, having the knowledge that the people that would have been fans of, uh, Sid Vicious and the Sex Pistols, did not like this film they didn't they didn't like the response to it or something like that something that wasn't right or that they, they got something wrong about it or something like that but I feel like the symbol of Sid they got absolutely correct
2: mm. and
1: and feeling like even though he didn't exactly do this in that order or this happened you know like a lot of biopics run into and and, and biopics for me I tend to not like them. Because they do the, the 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 worst example I can think of is is Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm so sorry to my brother-in-law <laughs> who loves that movie. I'm so uh, sorry. I, but... No, this this is an inside oh, bo- joke. So
0: uh, Bohemian okay. Rhapsody. This is a film that my wife is very interested in, and that brings up whenever we're looking for films. And I am aware of the editing uh, award and the sort oh of gosh. business that the them. getting the award for this for the editing of that film got in uh i know about a lot of sort of backlash about that movie but she's very interested in it and i think that for her it's it's going to be like oh i know some about queen I i like movies with music i think it'll be interesting to watch you know so for like that taking that sort of perspective on the sid and nancy story i get exactly what alex cox is doing but he does it in like a punk way, to where he doesn't. He like tries to give a little bit of fantastic fantastic, um, fantastical of an ending, without getting too deep into how terrible it probably was. Uh, so it's it's a little bit like he's trying to Bohemian Rhapsody the end of this film, if that makes sense.
1: Oh really? See, I, f- I kind of feel like he wanted to he wanted to keep it as close to the symbol of sid vicious as possible so he instead of showing the reality of it and and like the down and dirty like thing that no one wants to see that no one wants to like the people that are fans of this and the people that want to that think of sid vicious as a sad figure and stuff like that if you're gonna do a film celebrating pretty much the the life and times of of sid vicious and and nancy um you're gonna have to do it in a very like rotten celebratory way and i think that's kind of the tone that he hit um
0: well do you, I wait a minute as we, wait, hold on oh, a second so do you, do you think that they were celebrating him though
1: i think that they were celebrating the symbol more than they were celebrating the man because okay. the entire film is filled with the this ability to just spray paint on a wall did he actually spray paint that wall or, or you know what i mean like yeah, i'm yeah, not yeah. saying like historically did he do it i'm just saying like they got to kind of be a little bit like blasé with how they wanted to be because mm. because, um, you know, the Sex Pistols and and Punk in general, like what what this means as a community to to sit there and try to make a hoity toity little biopic out of it is such a like Sid Vicious would hate the idea. Oh,
0: right. Yeah. He would yeah, hate yeah.
1: the idea of the actual man would have hated the idea to sit down and like. Let's have a little story about how hard it was. And then we all put it together like a happy ending or we'll be together someday, Nancy, in the afterlife. Well, see, that's what I
0: felt like that ending did though. Like that's, that's, it's like, I feel like the film is not ultimately that successful. And I think that that's part of my struggle is because it is for me showing like the depths and the sort of like what, being hooked on heroin specifically can do to a person because I don't think it celebrates a lot other than there's really no rules. Like look at, you know, this, this punk lifestyle, like anarchy can succeed because look at the way that these guys behave and there's no sort of consequences whatsoever. There's not even like a whiff of they have to go to jail because of the way that they're behaving or anything like that. They get, they get like the police beat down uh, when they get off the boat um, but that's about it, and it doesn't seem like they're specifically that injured by it. Um, oh, they get to walk away
1: because because they're in
0: love, and right? Because yes, the rules because of the love. film, yes. lets them. Yes, and, and so they, the
1: rules of the film is like I'm not going to deal with the consequences of Nancy's death. I'm just going to go out quote for a pizza, right, and so right. when he gets there, it does look like a wasteland. It does look like rocks and and he's brought up in like this weird almost like a i I, almost i was gonna say lynchian but i wouldn't i'm not gonna go there well it's pretty close because it
0: is it's like a landfill that has a like a pizza spray painted on the side in like a very anarchic sort of a thing right it's
1: like it's like the perfect background for a movie like this and then these kids are there and they seem to know him and they're saying hey sid and like they're playing and he's just like dancing with them yes and stuff like that. And there's something about that. That well, feeling of like... Yeah, I think like, all of that
0: is probably not... That's all in his mind, right? Like, that's that's not that's supposed to be literal. That,
1: to me, is where it's a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. When he gets to walk mm-hmm. off, the, uh, off the boat after the police get there, they're perfectly centered in the shot, and they're walking away hand-in-hand in, hand in love. That is the fairy tale. The fact that he's able to just live his life and just smack his head against the wall and not really deal with the consequences is a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. When the reality is just peaking. And I think it all comes to a head in my favorite sequence in the film. Do you know which one that is?
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I know what my favorite visuals were of the film, but no, I don't think I know.
1: My favorite sequence of the film is when he sings my way.
0: Oh, okay. Yes. Is, and he's like shooting people video. and he's, it's like a uh, Miller's crossing is what it looks like to me.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah. But once again, no consequences. I yeah. get to kind of be ugly. I get to shoot every, anybody I want to in the crowd. I'm like the Joker or whatever. But then at the same time I shoot Nancy mm-hmm. and then she joins me on stage and it's such a fairy tale ending. I love the idea of taking this famous song and him kind of like a, uh, like a like a little boy, like a little boy who gets a microphone in high school that that kid in your class that always you were a little bit afraid of' cause he he was very unpredictable in this very sid- vicious way mm-hmm. sits there and gets to just sway back and forth and go, no, oh, the end is near. Uh-huh. And he's just kind of like, like singing like his eyes yeah, yeah, and he's and he and he adds his own curse words as a joke and and um and is just nasty about it. I kind of love that because this is, is the symbol. This is like, if we were to make the ultimate, like uh, uh, uh tribute to this, this figure, this symbol within the punk world, it's, it's excellent. It's excellent for that reason. However, knowing what I know about how these, these fans reacted to this film and knowing how I kind of felt like, well, who is this, who is this for? Yeah. Like, if it's not for them and you know, or whatever, I kind of I kind of thought it was appropriate for what it is, but like and then where we end up ultimately I like I like the performance, I like everything else, but like I think the reason why I give what did I give it? I think I gave it three and a half. Mm-hmm. So I liked it. But like well, who is it for? Like what is this? Yeah. What is what is what is this then? Because I kind of I get I get the punk part i get all that like i'm with all that i'm actually mm-hmm. very much like a fan of that movement and, and a fan of like what what that means and why he's a symbol but when i get to the very end of it i don't like the idea of it being a cautionary tale which mm-hmm. is why it probably acts the way it does mm-hmm. i don't like the idea of it celebrating him because i think he would hate that idea so it feels very complicated throughout all of it um, man I just love the idea of him putting a lock on or him getting a lock of, of a necklace on his on his neck and
0: and she, and, she, and he's like "Now where's the key?" and yeah. she's like "What key?" What ah, key? Ha, ha, ha. And that's like, that's the actual necklace too. Right. And, the and so there's a part wore, of me right. I, I
1: I get like I get I kind of get that. I kind of understand the
0: like society that, has the lock Ben and there's no key. There you go. Right. It's all that kind of stuff.
1: Well, that, that could be part of it, but also like he doesn't care. Yeah. He doesn't, he He's doesn't like care. That. And so like, what does it matter? Because it's all burning down. It's all, that's part of this movement. It's more than just said Vicious. Mm. This is also just a snapshot of a time, of a time in England that is, uh, blown out of proportion. I think, I mean, it probably isn't too far off from the truth of what was going on, like with money and like him going through. All of laundry and stuff like that in the middle of the street, and how how relationships worked, how you know you're starting to learn a little. I mean, very, very, very vaguely about how the hierarchy of of the streets, you know, and whatnot. And when you get into these into these um, places to perform and stuff like that, like you know you're watching all this play out. But I don't think any of that's necessarily relevant as much as the larger larger strokes here which are, what does Sid mean to us? Mm-hmm. And what does Sid mean to a, a, a snap, snapshot
0: in time? So here's, And I think that's where my, my love for this film, or my like for this film comes from. <laughs> I think the thing that I would love to take away from this is I feel like this was made about 10 years too early. And I think that why I think oh. that is, in the interviews with Alex Cox, he talks about how Johnny Rotten um, was so giving towards his comments towards the movie to where he was saying like, it's a disgrace. It's this, 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 which was causing controversy, making more people go see it, et cetera, et cetera. Like he did exactly what they needed him to do in his comments. Um, by saying that it's all these things that it's, it's not really like, it's not that controversial really. Right. When you've seen things like Requiem for a dream or whatever, and you're just like, yeah, drugs are bad, right? And you see that kind of stuff. But what I think is interesting about this is he talked about how it was really um, brave of the Johnny Rotten real life persona to say, yeah, I realize that your friend died f- like six years ago, but we're going to make this movie about them and celebrate them and talk about how they were this um powerful person in this punk movement and that's tough like only 6 years ago so that's someone that was that passed away in 2017 and now we're making a movie about them and that yeah. in that in that context that feels like holy shit that's really quick and so i think that because it's so quick i don't know that they were able to sort of look back on the punk movement as much as perhaps they could have And so Ah. what you could have lost in the interim is how realistic and how like very much real this feels with Nancy going from sort of band to band and, and being just like she didn't, you know, she supposedly didn't want to be called a groupie and didn't want to talk much about her dominatrix job and about stripping and all that kind of stuff that she did, but was a very powerful And in the behind the scenes stuff said a very sort of dark presence in Sid's life to where she was the one who kind of like Sid was Sid Vicious, which was an oxymoron to where he was very much a very soft kind of guy. And they called him Sid Vicious as a joke. And so then he then had to live up to his reputation and start. You know, allowing fights to happen and getting in fights and cutting himself and doing all these things to live up to the name that he was given. But it wasn't until Nancy was around where then he really started living into this name that he had been branded. And so I thought that that was really interesting because they talked about how, oh, you know, when she wasn't around, he was a completely different dude and was just kind of very interested in this one particular actor who was talking about acting to him and was very kind of like charming and polite but then when she was around, he had to be this rock star, uh, druggy, drinking, you know, uh, cutting yourself on stage kind of a guy. And so I think that the movie kind of takes her. Uh, I mean, it is it does have some really tough scenes to watch with her family uh, where they're really kind of putting the screws to her. But other than that, it's like she's you know, she is the victim here. And so she is the one that's. Um, Not like she's she's uh, given like the sort of heroes um, sort of touch, but she is comes off better than he does to me anyway, Uh, because I, I feel like she doesn't just she doesn't know any better because she's may not claim that she's a groupie, but she's finding fame and finding drugs and she has money because of her lifestyle, even though it doesn't seem like she does. And I thought that Chloe Webb was tremendous Um, Gary Oldman supposedly hates this performance because it was his first uh, movie role. Um, And he talks about how he thinks he's terrible in it, (laughs) which I disagree because I think he's very good. Um, But, uh, but yeah, this was his first movie role. And they talk about how uh, in the interview with Alex Cox, he talks about, and this is again, Ben is on uh, the behind the scenes information on my Plex in case you didn't check this out on the discs. Uh, But he talks about how, the casting of Sid Vicious came down to Gary Oldman. And who else do you think?
2: Give me a, give
0: me a British name in the early eighties that hasn't made a movie yet. That could also have been cast for this. And when I tell you this, you're going to be gobsmacked.
1: Um, well an early british actor mm-hmm. uh most of them are involved in harry potter these days right, or were.
0: But this is a, someone that you don't necessarily think of as a as being a british actor he's that uh transformative
1: oh wow okay um so he doesn't necessarily come off as british mm-hmm. uh <laughs> i was about to say alan rickman for some reason because of, Ooh, that's because, a good guess but, actually that's a good guess yeah
0: so Chloe, um, Chloe, so Chloe Webb, there he Alex Cox said that there was no doubt it was definitely going to be her. There was no like, oh, it could be someone else, you know, blah blah blah. No, it was always her when she was um when she read for the part. And Sid Vicious came down to Gary Oldman, and they had to make a choice between him and Daniel Day Lewis.
1: Oh wow! Okay. The
0: Man, two. I would love to see that. I would <laughs>
1: love to see that. So
0: pre wow. any movie that daniel day lewis had he was almost seditious
1: yeah i can see out. it
0: when you kind of get that in a in a, in some later
1: yeah in some later i mean you or, see him uh, doing of all this. of
0: his method stuff and all of that kind of thing and it's like well, just
1: him being just this like butchering well we talk about the butcher of course in our in our past episode like the idea of him being this like nasty person who could slam his head against the wall and not blink and and just kind of put up with put up with that and and like I don't know. I, I, there's something about, about it. there's something so boyish and fragile about Oldman. Yeah. Uh, in, in this and and about how young he looks and he just look he reminds me of a, a specific kid that I'm not going to say because a it's not relevant to you but also like people listening to this like I don't know it just wouldn't it wouldn't make sense for me to say mm-hmm. because it's just it's one of those things where I I kind of I kind of see that. Uh, that that sad case and what happens to that kid when they get older. Mm. You know, and, and like, for some reason that just rang, it, like, the performance of that just rang true to me. Mm-hmm. And it rang true to me about the punk movement, too. Like, okay, punkers, what did that solve?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, what was all this know, for?
1: Not, not, I mean, listen, it, it definitely got some movement. It definitely changed the landscape and stuff like that in terms of culture and whatnot. But, but also like even that felt like not the solution Mm. um, amongst all the other things that we've tried as a society. Um, So of course not. But then also, of course, I don't know where someone like the young SIDS and the young Nancy's of, of the, the British empire of, of the 1960s or 19 or the late 1970s, where they would turn, Mm -hmm. you know? So just based off of how, the 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 cards they were handed uh in that time social politically you know uh, on the uh, being more marginalized people getting screwed uh, Oh, sure you know, oh show that, yes. we're not going to show that in this film because of course that's not fun
0: oh right no i i love the idea of a group that feels like they're not being treated properly and and rising up and and being angry and all that kind of like i love that when i watch sid and nancy i think yeah, I'll I'll support you in some other way. I, I don't know. I don't know that I can fully get into being a, a member of the group. You know what I mean? Like I
2: gotcha. don't know that
0: my mentality would be able to allow me to be in the middle of those pits and to be on stage, you know, cutting whatever he's cutting into himself and bleeding all over. Oh, of
1: course not. No, 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 no. Of course.
0: I was like, this is, <laughs> this is maybe not my jam, but uh, I I appreciate the sentiment.
1: Of course not. No, I, I'm just I'm only looking at this film as like studying from a perspective of, ah, of course, this mm-hmm. is where this is where culture and society has led to. Sure, sure, like sure, sure, this, sure. This make this makes sense why I said Vicious would rise up and, and be the way that they were and then also still have the same true to themselves type of mentality in the end. When we meet these characters for the first time, I'm already thinking they're doomed. Oh, like really? they're already they're already set on their way to destruction and to death, and I think by them getting together, just like poured gasoline on the, on the fire, on, or, or pour, threw all the extra coal or fuel or whatever into that train so it can go over the side. Absolutely. Well,
0: when I see when they get together in Linda's house at the beginning, I think, I think, and then through the end of the film, I think. I never, ever want to hear the note of this character isn't likable enough uh, in my life again, <laughs> because these two are so horrible. And I, I can't believe that someone's watching them and thinking like, oh, yes, this is the champion that I am striving to be right. Like that. The movie doesn't position them in that way. And but I see all the times the, the notes of, oh, well, you got to have your protagonist has to be likable. Your your love interest has to be likable well fuck these two are terrible and i don't think that that puts me off on the movie but it's tough to sort of like hope for them because they're in they're angry and they're in bad situations and they and they want change but they're also making terrible choices
1: even even to be able to choose like like i'm gonna try to pick someone that a a lot of society would know like like a um, Walter White or the or the Tony Soprano, like they're oh, not sure. likable people, but yeah. you have to be on their side. You yes. have to kind of yes. want them to win. So not that like you're in. Like I'm watching a, a show right now. I'm not finished with it, but I'm almost done with it. And man, is it such a hard show to jump into because everybody on the show, no one is likable. It's called Succession. Oh,
0: uh, I've so only watched hard. I've only watched the pilot of this, and it's I know so that to, it's so
2: good. <laughs>
1: it <laughs> I is good. It is, and it is. Eric, it absolutely is. Yeah. It's, an, it's a great show. I can see why people love it. But they're so despicable and so awful and so, like, nasty on that show mm-hmm. that I'm just waiting. I just want, I'm just i watching, really, to watch them fall. Mm-hmm. I'm watching to watch them make bad and wrong decisions that eventually lead to their demise. Because it, it's, like, catharsis almost. Like, they deserve it. But also, I kind of have to want them to succeed just a little bit, you know, because sure, they think sure. they can make it. It's always fun to not necessarily watch likable people. It's always to me. It always feels I like watching people that think they're doing a great job, or that they're going to. It's like um, the the opening minutes of Wall-E, when you watch uh. that little that little robot. Like he doesn't have anything spelled on his face about why he's likable. Sure, he's cutely designed and stuff like that, but you're watching him proficiently perform his task day after day after day. And you would just watch him make a pyramid of trash by the end of the day. And you're like, wow, look at that little guy. Like, he's so amazing. I love Wally. Like, there has to be something
0: like that. Well, see, and, here, know, and here's even where... Even if this
1: person's, like, awful and evil. Like, Sid Vicious is able to, like, navigate this world. I can't believe we just talked about Wally and Sid Vicious. <laughs> but, like, But, like, you have to see him kind of proficiently get through, like, a show.
0: Right. And so that's, so that's where I'll push back a little bit is that I I feel like we're watching him and he's not good at anything. Like you watch Wally and you see how good uh, that character is at doing the limited task that he's supposed to do. And I guess this is where I fall into um, the social media traps of anything that's like satisfying comes up on my any, any sort of searches or for me things is it's any sort of satisfying thing to where I can see someone be good at something right True, to where yeah. when I watch Sid he's not good like they talk about how he doesn't even know the songs he's not playing the songs they have to turn the amp off like he <coughs> he's not a he's not good at being a bassist he doesn't particularly sing well like, those moments
1: to me were like the peak into the moments that weren't the the fairy tale
0: Ah, uh, yes so when he was so when he is the
1: fairy him. tale when he is in the my way he is like proficient because he's just blasting people away getting to do whatever he wants sure that's where he gets to be like Haha, it's more like now, he's now he's able to be matter.
0: he's like he's able to be free without consequences in his fairy tale and yes. in his reality he's just bad
1: <laughs> at and that's what he's why trying it's to do. fun for people to watch this i think okay people I that can see don't that. want consequences now you and i are just sick of assholes who don't want consequences. <laughs> like watching this in 2023 as like full on adults is probably with like kids. I get like yeah with kids and stuff like that like I'm extremely like stressed out right.
0: But, but I think like oh shit I had to teach I, kids like this.
1: You imagine being like and, then, and I keep thinking about this shitty high school kid that I used to know
2: mm-hmm.
1: that would love this movie mm-hmm. because he would just love watching the the Bart Simpson's of the world would love uh, right. watching just people get away with like this type of travesty type of stuff and it's and yeah I think that's I think that's what it is I think it's almost like, it's almost like a exploitation film a little bit in that you get to kind of live those fantasies you know like in like uh, black exploitation films where they where the um, the hero gets to kind of blow away the cops. Oh, a lot right, of times right. growing up as a kid, I'm like, oh, that's bad because you're not supposed to hurt cops and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, but you imagine living your day-to-day life and getting to see someone up on the screen that looks like you just blowing away the cops and
0: just being like, hell yeah. <laughs> like
1: The feeling of that. Yeah. That's what I think is. That's why I think Sid and Nancy. Okay. Life. I think it's because it's fun for the audience that it's meant for. And that's the audience of Alex Cox, I think.
0: Okay. Well, Why let me, let really me ask you. Watch Repo <laughs> let me ask you this: <laughs> so, What do you think about what do you think my favorite uh, image of the of the movie was? Oh,
1: uh,
0: and I'll, I, give I, I I'll give you I'll give you a very big it, hint. It w- oh, go ahead. It is uh, in an alley. Uh,
1: is it? Is it the cover? Is it like the like them on the like the cover? the show for um are on the dumpster
0: look at you good for you so this is the poster for the release it the was poster, it yeah. is not the poster for the criterion edition that i have so i had never seen this poster till pulling up imdb before we started recording um but yes i think that that is a beautifully shot moment and this is who is the dop for this do you know Mr. Oh, T. Um,
1: yeah, uh, I knew it as we were, as we we're, I forget though.
0: He um, has done many things. He's very famous. It's, um, now.
1: It has to be Deakins. It
0: is Mr. Deakins. Okay. Yes. Isn't that crazy? It's, this is also his first film.
1: Oh, wow. jeez No wonder this is a criteria.
0: Collection. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, because yes, look at all the things that are birthed. But I think yeah. that that is such a stunning poster and stunning image because at one point, they're completely intermingled. Like, you can't see where their hands are or what they're doing. Both of their hands are sort of near, like, the below-the-waist oh. area. And so it's like, oh, look at, like, their their chests are sort of pressing together. And so it's like they are completely intertwined, right? That is the visual yeah. story they that's being a told. They
1: make this weird visual of light in between them.
0: Yes. And then around them, you've got litter, you've got all of the sort of anarchic type graffiti that's on the different dumpsters and what have you. And you've got this hazy kind of background. Yeah,
1: that is great. And I
0: think that that is such a perfect sort of image for what this film is.
1: Yeah. That's like kind of how I remember that is like the, but see, that's, that's repo man too. That's like the dirty streets of of repo man.
0: Now that that being said, I didn't love the movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's fine.
0: I get it. (laughs) it was one of those to where as soon as it came on i was like oh oh boy oh no oh yeah (laughs) this is gonna not be for me isn't it
1: (laughs) unfortunately no
0: (laughs) but that's fine it's one of those to where i i did watch all of, of the behind the scenes stuff that i have um i didn't listen to the commentary i guess but I did, I did sort of experience everything that the Criterion disc had to have, so then if I decide to, you know, if I'm I'm crunched for space and I decide to get rid of a film as we transition to if I should keep these or delete these, I'll, I would probably get rid of this one just because I don't know of a reason why I would need to watch this again. Come back, yeah. Okay. Um, I think that what In Cold Blood does, besides from me enjoying that story more, is it works with another film really well, and it is a good example of different match cuts and different ways to structure a film, which I think are interesting.
1: I'm with you. I, if I wanted to watch this movie again, or if I wanted to feel what this movie felt for me, I would just watch the my way. Uh,
0: uh yes. You can like just, yeah, just I'm up, sure that that's on, up YouTube, on YouTube or Criterion. Uh, I'll online, tell
1: you, and... I know for a fact it is because I've watched it again <laughs> uh, <laughs> within the week. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I I'm kind of in the same boat of like, you know, I, w- I want In Cold Blood for my collection, but most likely probably wouldn't touch it for yeah. a while. Yeah. Just because it's like, who wants to watch that on a Saturday night? I watched it on a random Monday night or whatever.
0: Well, it's I watched them favorite. on, I watched, well, who wants to watch them on a Saturday night? That was me. Cause I watched that was it you. Yesterday, yeah. and then I watched uh, uh Sid and Nancy today. Fantastic. That's the way that I schedule things, Mr. Teed. So, yeah. anything else about uh, Sid and Nancy before we say adieu to that one? I enjoyed
1: I enjoyed doing this so once again. Like I I felt like it was good to be able to knock some of these out. Ones that have I've always had in the periphery. I've always felt like I've wanted to see, but then this is just giving me an excuse to just jump on them and then also kind of get more into uh like I love the the direction that Alex Cox gives to Repo Man and and now finally being able to see another part of his of his set of films that I get to kind of like okay add that to his vocabulary and language of of or is cinematic language so sure
0: sure so i i really really was taken by um in cold blood that's probably at least a four i haven't rated it yet um, because i'm sneaky and tricky like that but i think that that's probably at least a four for me Uh, Sid and nancy i'd probably go like two and a half to three i think that what it's doing is successful which is why i don't want to necessarily give it a, a negative review but it's like did I personally need to experience this story with no history of the Sex Pistols or with the British uh, sort of punk movement or anything and very limited uh, connection to what, what they're angry about or the music and that culture? I don't know. Maybe it's just not for me. And a lot of hard drug movies, I'm kind of like, I'm good. Like, I saw it once. I don't need to see this again kind of a thing. Sure. So... All right. uh, for
1: me, I think four four as well for in cold blood, and I'm just above you on Sid and Nancy at three and a half.
0: Yeah, I think that that uh, I think that that's probably about right based on our discussion. Is you're a little higher yeah. on Sid and Nancy than me, and it's totally uh, that's totally how things work. So I'm gonna keep probably one, and, and uh, eventually probably get rid of the other wrapping us up if you have any comments for the show you could email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com if you wanted to help out the show you could check out our show notes or you'll find the link to our amazon wish list also there on our show notes there's going to be a pdf of the movies that i have and i haven't seen if you wanted to check those out mock me or push me into what i should be watching next and maybe even with who I do want to thank Mr. Teed for coming on and uh, you know discussing some Criterion films. It's always a real arm twist to get Mr. Teed to talk about some Criterion, <laughs> but if people wanted to hear more from you or you know see how your uh, Zelda quests are going, <laughs> if they wanted to get in touch with you, where could they do that?
1: Um, I'm still on Letterboxd at Benteed. I mean, I, that's really kind of where I'm spending a lot more time, even probably more than Twitter
0: and all that. And just listing I your mean, films, and you can argue with him, listing. you can tell him what he's not right about, and et yeah. cetera, et cetera. Tell
1: me, wh- tell me why you didn't like Dunkirk. <laughs> Yeah, because I like really like that. I love
0: Dunkirk. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you for listening, and you can join Ben and myself next week as we discuss not just one, but both films in this franchise that inspired Kill Bill. It is, of course, Lady Snowblood and the sequel, Lady Snowblood Love Song of Vengeance.